On this episode of the Haunted Objects Podcast. We spent our six-year wedding anniversary giving a CAT scan to a Dybbuk box that we had snuck into a hospital. We did. (laughs) From deep inside the mysterious archives of the Newkirk Museum of the Paranormal, it's the Haunted Objects Podcast. I love estate sales. I know you do. You take me to a lot of them. I love digging through dead people's stuff. Yeah. Who you don't? doesn't? It's yeah, fun. It's fun rooting through people's stuff. It's there's a I think despite what people might claim, there's something that everyone loves about being a little bit voyeuristic about y- people's stuff. Yes. It's like the first thing I want to do when I go to see a friend is I, I look through their bookshelf. I want okay. to see what they're reading. You can find out a lot about somebody by their stuff. You know what I do? What do you do? I look in their drawers. <laughs> <laughs> you do not. <laughs> if you invite me to your house, I'm looking in your medicine cabinet and your drawers. No, I'm doing it. I'm in it right now. I don't even care. That's that's too far. <laughs> I don't know. Is but... it? Listen, you liars. The, if you don't, you're all looking in drawers too. Connor, do you ever look in our drawers when you're here? No. that's because connor's a well-adjusted normal person maybe there's a there's a small group of us drawer lookers but we're doing it well don't invite dana to your house (laughs) because she's gonna look uh, into your drawers take all things out of your drawers (laughs) you don't want me looking at (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) don't have me in your house if you don't want me snooping (laughs) like i told you i like rooting through people's stuff (laughs) (laughs) okay well uh, now we've learned something about Dana. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'll admit it. Well, back to estate sales. <laughs> What's the weirdest thing you've ever bought from like an estate sale or an antique shop or something like that? The weirdest thing that I've ever bought is a box of hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay well I have, uh, why i have a box of hair it's very beautiful it is like three locks of gorgeous red like curly hair with like little ribbons on the top and the reason i bought it is because i found it in in a uh, antique store mm-hmm. just the box was closed and it's an old candy box from a candy company in detroit like a really old old candy company and I thought the box was cool and it kind of like drew my attention. And I was like, I wonder what this is. And I, when I grabbed it and opened it, there was three locks of hair in it. And mm-hmm. I was sad because I was like, this is just someone's like love memento or something that belonged to someone that they loved that maybe had passed. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, and it was just cool. sitting in an antique store up on a shelf and no one was paying attention to it. So I was like, you're coming home with me. That's cool. I like old now photographs of people. You yeah, know, I do too. It's it's always kind of, there's, there's a melancholy feel to it. Yeah. When, you just see someone's old photos just yeah, laying around. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's the best thing. It's funny because we love going to antique stores. Mm-hmm. We love going to estate sales. Mm-hmm. And yet, I don't think we've ever gotten anything from one of those places that was haunted. No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I literally have someone's hair Yeah. in my my uh, studio right now and it's never been active at all some some museum owners have all the luck I know. but it just ain't us because we just can't some people seem to find haunted shit wherever it's they incredible. go incredible tried waving a k2 meter around <laughs> uncontrolled environments inside thrift malls uh you've probably been watching a lot of tiktok haven't you i feel you? like mm-hmm. maybe you have my favorite scam 
there's a there's a a scam that some museums use some haunted museums i'm not talking about the big one but they will send mediums mm. mediums to thrift stores i'm talking goodwills baby yeah they send them to goodwills and they just run their hands over uh-huh. top of the dolls until they find one that calls out to them and then all of a sudden there's an entire story about this doll's life mm-hmm. and it's in a museum so i like the backgrounds the backgrounds on them like th- this doll has anxiety <laughs> they do she's not even exaggerating <laughs> no. they actually will say this yeah well some people have all the luck they find haunted shit wherever they go yeah we don't no but it is funny because i think one of the most common questions that we get from people doing what we do is how should i cleanse this thing that i got at an estate sale how should i cleanse this thing that i got at the thrift store because they're worried that it's haunted yeah, it's very common. It's a it's a weirdly common question we get asked all the time. And as a lover of old shit, old furniture, old stuff. Dead people's shit. Dead people's stuff. I say, don't do that. Leave it alone. The reason that we like antiques is because they've been around for so long. They've been in people's houses. They've been part of people's lives. Yeah. They've been a part of holidays and families and, and births and deaths and all that kind of stuff. Why would you want to take it down to the to the spokes is that the same <laughs> the studs the studs so we strip it down the to the spokes studs and the studs i want that old dead people energy on yeah this you want, i love it it feels so it, good it, i love it don't feed it fear no. give it give it some love and see what it gives you back yes and you will very likely feel the warmth and 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 kind of you know joy that whatever those the that furniture was that the people who owned it before felt about it why do you think so many people are afraid of, of the things that they buy secondhand. Because of TikTok, because of TV, because of film. Yeah. Because of baloney stories. <laughs> baloney stories are the definite cause for a lot of fear about stuff like that. Well, you know, every once in a while, mm. there is a story that starts at an estate sale yeah. or a yard sale mm-hmm. that is so scary. It gains so much notoriety that it does make people afraid Every time they buy something secondhand. Yes. This is a, a, today's episode. Yeah. Is about one of these stories that we have brushed up against. Yes. Something, uh, an investigation that we have gone down that was legitimately scary, Mm -hmm. but maybe not for the reasons that you might think. Strap in because this one's going to go, we're going to all go on a journey together. We're going to go all over the place. There's twists and there are turns. There are all of those things. Because today we are deconstructing. A Dybbuk box. Do you believe that it's possible to trap an evil spirit? In 2001, a mysterious wine cabinet with a frightening history was listed on an online auction site. The owner claimed that the item, referred to as a Dybbuk box, imprisoned a terrifying entity responsible for a generational curse. Wherever the box went, a trail of destruction followed, sending innocent bystanders to the hospital, tormenting its owners with spectral phenomena, and making fools of ghost hunters everywhere. Two decades later, the Dybbuk box has earned a reputation as the most haunted object in the world. And to make matters worse, hundreds more have since been unearthed, Spreading their corrupt influence via auction sites, haunted museums, and even major motion pictures. 
In 2016, paranormal researchers Greg and Dana Newkirk were called in to assist a man who found himself cursed by one of the diabolical boxes. And they made a startling discovery that would break the curse of the Dybbuk box once and for all. Do you remember the first time that you ever heard about the Dybbuk box? Yeah, I feel like I was late to the game and I did not hear about the Dybbuk box until, or I wasn't paying attention enough maybe to until about 2015 or 16, which I, I feel is a timeline when it like became part of like the general consciousness. I think like, that's fair. I think it really popped off yeah. around the time that Zach Baggins purchased it. Yes, I think he definitely... That was around 2016, I think. It was 2016, and I think that was the time when, like, the media really started covering uh -huh. it. They started calling it the most haunted object yeah. on the planet. Like, there was a lot of that kind of focus to, like, really make it this terrifying, scary thing. It popped into my universe around 2012 when the film The Possession came out, okay. uh, which was based on a book that had been written about the Dybbuk box a year or two earlier. Mm -hmm. That's when I started to hear a lot about it because there was a big, massive marketing push about how this film, which was produced by Sam Raimi, uh, you know, Evil Dead, all, all the craziest horror films, yes. it was being produced by him, uh, stars Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Shout out Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yes. Uh, it was a big deal when it came out. Yeah. So there were tons of articles about the, the true story of the Dybbuk box. And this is the Dybbuk box that is currently residing in Zach Bagans' yes. museum. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, so when this movie came out, that's really when it entered my stratosphere. And I started to understand like what this was. And, and, and genuinely, the story behind it is is scary. It's yeah, very scary. It a is. lot of people have been affected by this thing. Tons of people. Tons of people have had really weird experiences. The story of... The Dybbuk box, the big bad, the OG. The, the big bad granddaddy Dybbuk box. <laughs> the big dad granddaddy Dybbuk box <laughs> starts in 2003. That's yes. really the first time that there's a, a big mention of this specific box, the one that's in the Vegas Museum. Yes. Uh, according to a man named Kevin Manis, he had purchased this, this old antique wine cabinet uh, from an estate sale that was full of a Holocaust survivor's items. Yes. According to the story, she died when she was 103, 103. She was a Holocaust survivor, and her granddaughter was the one who sold the object to Kevin Manis. Sold yes. the Dybbuk box. This, this Dybbuk box was still closed, uh, and he just liked it. He liked the way that it look and, looked, and he mm. wanted to buy it and re refinish it for his mom for a present. Right. So this was 2001. Yes. He finds this thing, uh, and he buys it, and the woman's granddaughter, whose stuff he was buying, mm -hmm. comes up to him and says, oh, you're buying the Dybbuk box. My grandmother told me never let anyone open this thing. Yes. She gave him sort of a quick rundown about what the Dybbuk box was. So Kevin buys this, he goes home, and he immediately opens it. <laughs> These That's stories, typically, they, they, you start to find they start the same way, where people are yeah. doing something they're explicitly warned against. Yes, it's like people don't watch horror movies. Right. <laughs> I don't really or, understand it. is it like people watch too many horror maybe movies? That's, maybe, maybe that's, that's it, actually. too. Yeah. Uh, so 
Kevin opens it and immediately ter- terrible things start to happen to him. Yes. Uh, his mother has a stroke. Yes. That's one of the first things. He gives the box to his mother. His mother has a stroke. Mm-hmm. I think one of the stories is that she almost lost her vision. Mm-hmm. Um, every family, every family member who slept in the house with the Dybbuk box would have the same dream. Oh, terrifying right. dream of a, a a hag, an old hag who was very frightening and like physically assaulted the person. Uh, really scary stuff. Stuff that makes you think, oh shit, I'm cursed, yes, right? Yeah. In the box, he opens the box up, and in the box, when this whole thing starts, he finds a bunch of very, very specific items. Mm-hmm. We have a list here of everything that was in the box. We do. Found the- a picture too. Oh, oh there you go. You can see it. what it looked like on the inside. Mm-hmm. It's very like it's giving like 2003 Tuscan mom kitchen. <laughs> Tuscany, Tuscany yeah. mom kitchen. Yeah, like uh huh, with the grapes and the you yeah. know. Yeah. So I mean, it's a little. The grapes are a little tacky. The grapes, personally, you know. So these are the things that were inside of it. There were two wheat pennies, which right. I had to Google because I had no idea what that. Well, was. Well, Dana's Canadian. Yeah. We so have, she has no clue about. We have loonies and toonies. Um. <laughs> And our money money is very colorful. You don't have pennies. We don't have pennies. You guys got rid of pennies we like did, 10 years, years ago. ago. Yeah. So I don't know what a penny is. Uh, <laughs> we They'd also had a small lock of blonde hair and a small lock of brunette or black hair. Mm-hmm. There was a granite statue engraved with the Hebrew word shalom. Mm-hmm. There was a dried out rosebud, a golden goblet, a black candle holder, um, and a prayer. The thing about the candle holder that's really unique is it has octopus legs yeah, it has if you like, look at it. I've never seen one of these things before. It's very cool actually. Um, but you can see there are very distinct items mm-hmm. that are left inside of this box that that uh, according to uh, Kevin Manis, the, the woman's grandmother mm-hmm. had, there were reasons for all of this stuff existing in this box and it had to do with trapping an evil spirit inside of it. Yes. Uh, and the idea was this thing needed to be left alone once this demonic entity was trapped inside, never opened. Yeah. And then I think the idea is to generationally pass it down so that this thing never escapes and harms anyone else. Yeah, it's like the containment unit in Ghostbusters. Bingo. Like you put them in there and then you, someone has to make sure that no one you know, opens it or pulls the lever and lets everything out. <laughs> right. You don't over. want the, the the EPA coming in and demanding to turn off the yes, containment unit. Exactly. Yeah. You don't and want someone opening the Dybbuk box. That's a very specific shopping list of items as well. It in is order very for this specific. to occur. Right. Yes. E- extremely specific. Mm-hmm. And again, part of that traditional lore. Yes. According to this legend. Mm-hmm. Well, after Kevin opens it up, they experience all manner of terrors. Mm-hmm. There's the nightmares. Uh, the whole family has nightmares about this old hag with sunken in eyes. Um, the terrible smells are coming off of the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, shadow figures are moving all over the place. And it gets so bad that Kevin says, I got to get rid of this thing. <laughs> I did something bad by opening this thing up. Mm-hmm. How do I fix this? Sell it on eBay. Sell it on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> if something's broken, something scares you, yeah. put it on eBay. Maybe you'll get your money back. Uh-huh. Well, he did sell it. He sold it on eBay for... 140 buckaroos. 140 bucks. Yep. 140 a, smacks. He sells it to a college student. This college student, uh, again, immediately starts to experience horrible things. His eyes are burning. Mm-hmm. Um, the same kind of deal with you know restless sleep, feeling cursed, uh, bad luck, 
really terrible stuff. Yeah. And so he says, I got to get rid of this thing. <laughs> I gotta well, what do I do with this thing? I got to sell it on eBay. <laughs> so he puts it on eBay. <laughs> uh, which uh, apparently if you have anything demonically possessed, you need to get rid of it. Put it on eBay. Yeah. It'll sell. That should be eBay's like motto. We'll sell your haunted <laughs> demonic objects. <laughs> well, he makes a profit <laughs> on this thing. He only has this thing for eight months. Yes. And then puts it on eBay. Uh, there's a bunch of bids on it. I think we have the photo of the of actual one. auction right here. Yes. Yeah. This was uh, February 9th, 2004. 51 bids. 51 bids and sells it for 280 bucks. So we've got, you know, we're making a little extra money he here. Dub- he doubles his money. Yeah. Uh, so To age Tron. Age Tron. Is that one of your The winning bidder. <laughs> I have not come up against age Tron. But I think age Tron was... Uh, uh, Haxton. Yes, Jason oh, Haxton. Yeah. Jason Haxton mm-hmm. was the next owner of this. Really, we owe a lot to Jason Haxton because he's the one who changed popular culture Thanks. with this with this Dybbuk box. Thanks. Jason Haxton publicizes this thing yeah. to a degree that no one else has yet. Yeah, he's arguably the one who actually makes it famous. Yes. Who actually gives it like an, a massive amount of attention and really make, right. begins to make it an infamous thing. Haxton was very into like ancient archaeology and antiques. Uh, he was the director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri. Uh, he gets it the worst. Yes. Eyes are bleeding. Yep. Choking. All sorts of, it's like, it's gotten way scarier. Like, it's it, it's not just like stinky smells. It's like actual scary, scary things are happening to him. Um, he he has the visions of the old woman. Yes. Uh, um, strangling him. She's got the same sunken eyes. It gets so bad that he ends up burying the thing in his backyard. Yeah, he, he claimed he would never tell anyone where it was. He's buried it in a place that's safe. And sound, and no one's going to know anything about it. And that's where it was. And he writes a book about it. Yes. He writes a a book uh, in 2011. Yes. And this book is all about all the experiences that he's had and all the research that he's done about the the Jewish folklore around the Dybbuk box, where it came from, what it's for, all that good stuff. That book is optioned and becomes the Sam Raimi film, The Possession. Mm -hmm. I I, I found the book. There's the book. Oh, there it is. Mm. November 1st, 2011. Uh, it has 119 ratings, which is less than I expected for something that made such a cultural impact. Uh, weird. Yeah. Well, you, can get a, you can get a copy of it for almost 30 bucks on Amazon. We'll link in the description. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this book ends up becoming optioned. And becomes the possession. Yeah. Not a great movie. No, it's not. I wanted to like it so much. We watched it again uh, the other night. Yeah. In preparation for this episode. Yeah. And it's, uh, you can tell what they were trying to do. They were trying to make, you know, the, The Exorcist is a very specifically Catholic horror film. Yes. This was supposed to be a specifically Jewish horror film. Yes. But I don't think they leaned far enough into it. Yeah. So they kind of tried to market it. Like some of the CGs not very good. It did not age well. We do get Jeffrey Dean Morgan though. So He's always great. He's always great. Love him. And he makes it tolerable. Tolerable. Yes. Uh there were a couple like it could have been a really scary movie, sure. but I I don't know. It felt like a softball. Maybe we'll get a reboot. Hopefully not. 
<laughs> we'll get around. We'll get around to that. Uh, yeah. So this movie comes out, and then and this movie's like b- bef- a year before The Conjuring. So this yes. is kind of like you know it starts with like tr- the things that happen in this movie are true, and yeah. it's sort of like the prototype conjuring film that's really interesting because the conjuring movies sort of introduce the haunted object stuff into cinema Uh uh, in a really big way for now i'm trying to think what are other haunted object movies i don't know if there really are any there's got to be some out there maybe people will know but i'm sure that there are i just can't think of any off the top of my head well a very big deal is made about this movie being based on a true story about the divic box the divic box gets tons of attention yeah lots of press uh everyone wants to know what this thing is yep people want to see it am i gonna get possessed watching the movie everybody's scared right yeah there's uh lots of like you know Travel Channel, paranormal reality shows mm-hmm. that are made that, you know, have recreations. Kevin Manis is interviewed for one mm-hmm. talking about his experiences with the Dybbuk box. I think it was my ghost story was what he was on. Mm-hmm. There are others. Um, uh, Haxton takes the Dybbuk box, digs it up, takes it and has it on an episode of Ghost Adventures yeah. talking about it. Yes. And this is when the seed is planted in Zach Baggins head. And he oh, says, no. I'm going to own this thing someday. It will be mine one day. This will be mine. It will be mine. <laughs> Wayne's World reference. <laughs> he uh, ends up purchasing yes. the Dybbuk box from Haxton. We don't know the amount. I, we were just having this conversation it trying to figure out. probably many bones. I'm sure it was very expensive. It's <laughs> yes. definitely an inflationary product. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, just between the first two owners. So, would you it say up that by 140 bucks? Would you say that the movie is what really just made it bloom? Like, the, however much it was bought between uh, Haxton and then Baggins, the movie like made oh, yeah. it that much more valuable. Yeah. So it probably mm-hmm. was a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and at this point, you know, it's such a rare artifact. Um, yeah. There's there's oh there's only supposed to be one of these things. Yeah. But it's around this time that other Dybbuk boxes start to pop up. People are saying, yes. you know, hey, my my grandmother Wait had a, a Dybbuk box and it's got a demon in it. Mm-hmm. They start to pop up more and more and more. Yeah. It was as, unsurprisingly as it grows in popularity. Uh, uh, ironically, it was around this time that we were contacted to deal with this Dybbuk box. Yes. But we'll get to that. We will get there. Uh, Again, remember, we're going on a journey together. We're taking a journey. Stick, stick with us. So around this time, 2016, Zach for uh, an undisclosed amount of money, purchases the Dybbuk box. The granddaddy The one that was owned by Manis, by Haxton, the one that had caused so much trauma to so many people. People were terrified of this thing. It had a movie made about it. There's books. There's television shows. He buys this box. I can't imagine what he spent for it and decides it's going to be one of the centerpieces of the museum that he's creating in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. After this, it becomes a a, a, a plot device in mm-hmm. a lot of the, the episodes of Ghost Adventures. Particularly, there was a live special that happened. There was a live special, and the I think the idea was that during the live special, if the vibes were right, Zach was going to open the Dybbuk box on live television. I, I mean, I remember when this episode was happening, because it was, it was a huge deal. Um, they don't do a lot of live paranormal uh, specials anymore. Mm-hmm. I think they're just incredibly expensive and yeah. very hard to produce. Yeah. And here's the thing. Ghosts don't seem to like to perform on command. Yeah. But when you're in a museum, the haunt, Zach Baggins Haunted Museum, 
you have your share of ghosts. There's allegedly They're all over the place. Allegedly, allegedly tons of them. Yes. All over the place. But the granddaddy. The big bad daddy. At the end of this if the end of this special was gonna be. Yeah. We're gonna open the Dybbuk box live on camera. Yeah. And all the demons are going to fly out. It's, I don't know what everyone expected, but that was the idea. Yes. We were going to open it. We were going to see what was inside. We were all going to get possessed. <laughs> every, every person on the planet. So at the end of this special, towards the end of this special, they bring out a rabbi. Mm-hmm. And the rabbi kind of destroys the entire special. He definitely did. He he definitely pumped the brakes because real hard. on camera, he says something about... Uh, it was something to the effect of, I know this isn't part of the script, yeah. but, yes. and then at that point, everybody shuts it down. Yeah. They change cameras. They go somewhere else. Yes. They, and then the rabbi never shows up again. Yeah. He's gone. The uh, We can speculate all day long. Sure. Uh, Zach says that the guy misspoke. Mm-hmm. It was a whole to-do, but they decided... We're not going to open it. The vibes were not checking out. So everyone had paranormal blue balls after this. Yes. People were pissed. Yeah, they really they were kind People of were upset. Yeah, the fact that he chose not to open it that night, the pressure oh, that huge. he was likely feeling, huge, you know, around him to open this thing on live TV, and he still was like, "No, I'm not going to do it." Let me ask you a question then. Yeah. Do you think that had to do with him feeling that the vibe wasn't right and that it wasn't the right time, or do you think that the rabbi? Whether he misspoke or not, mm-hmm. him saying what he said about a script, do you think that threw cold water on it and he was afraid Honestly, that I, it wasn't going to be promoted properly? In my opinion, I feel like it was likely both. Yeah. Both of those things kind of coalescing. Right. I'd, I, I'll say right now, I'm not a, I'm not a Zach Baggins apologist, but I think he's I think he's really good at what he does. And I mm-hmm. think he believes. Oh, for sure. And by what he does, I mean entertains. Yes. I think he does believe yeah. that this item is is the most haunted item in the world he says it yeah he's he's boldly come out to claim uh-huh. that the dybbuk box in his collection mm-hmm. is the most haunted item in the world he's yes. gone on record saying that mm-hmm. that's a pretty big claim because there's i mean in a world of annabelle's like that is a pretty hefty claim to be thrown out there annabelle's robert the dolls there's i mean isn't the hope diamond also supposed to be haunted yeah like well i think it if we want to get into semantics, cursed. I'm sorry, I think cursed. that's cursed. All right, fair enough. But who knows? You know, there's a lot of haunted artifacts out there. There's a ton there, of them out there. A lot of stories about them. To say that you are in possession of the most haunted item in the world. Yeah. Very, very big deal. It's a it's a big claim. Uh, so I don't doubt that he felt like this thing is dangerous, that sure. this thing is haunted. That's why he wanted it in the first place. Yes. But he decides for some reason not to open it that night. A lot of people are disappointed. Well, he makes it up to everybody in 2020. By cursing Post Malone. <laughs> By cursing? <laughs> Who would do that poor to poor Post, Post Malone? <laughs> Who I I love Post Malone. I do too. We were just watching, uh, Connor suggested, he's like, you ever seen Post Malone sing country music? It's great. It was amazing. It he is was great. really great. It is good. Yeah. Um, love Post Malone. He seems like a genuinely nice guy. He, he seems is. like he has a, like a really warm character. Is he not also from Ohio? I think he might be. So he's a Ohio native. So shout out Post Malone. Shout out Post Malone. Uh, Post Malone is yes. on a COVID special because mm-hmm. this is at the height of the pandemic. This yes, is 2020. It was, it was Ghost Adventures Quarantine. Ghost Adventures Quarantine, and Zach says we're gonna we're gonna make it up to people. We're gonna open this Dybbuk box on television. 
there's a a clip. I don't know. I don't know if we can show it, uh, but there's a clip that was all over TMZ. It was all, all over everything, and it is Zach holding on to the box, mm-hmm. opening it up, and then he starts to get possessed as Zach often does. Yeah, he gets very. He, I think he described it as feeling like he was becoming completely overwhelmed with like negativity and yeah, negative energy and and anger and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Well, here it is. It's on TMZ. I think yeah. we can. I think we can watch this. It's 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 branded. If not for the for the audio listeners, we can describe it. It is. The, it's the night vision footage. The, the Dybbuk box has its own room, so they are in the room. Host is very clearly not enjoying this and is already has the door open to the room and is ready to escape because Zach is becoming, you know, increasingly more agitated and angry. So the way that this works is Baggins has his hand on the Dybbuk box and then he starts to get strange. So Post leans over and touches him to kind of like shake him out of it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like... Oh, we described it as like an electric fence, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like when you touch <laughs> an electric scared. fence. He does look really scared. Like, yeah. he's freaked out. You can see his face. And then they both run out of the room. Yeah. I mean, so, here's the thing. There's a lot of people, uh, particularly skeptical people, uh, that would like to say that all of these shows are just acting. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I really don't believe so. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the time, what you're seeing is you're seeing people's genuine responses to things. Yeah, These things... You know, the truth of of what stories they're investigating, the truth of the items that they're investigating, that's up for debate. But I think you're seeing the very real reaction of Post Mm -hmm. uh, being terrified of this thing because there's no good stories about it. No. And it's been built up to such a level where, like, they won't even open it on a Halloween live special because they're scared of what's going to happen. Yeah, they know there's a lot of pressure. Tons of it. Tons. Yeah. So it appears... In the moment when Post touches Zach on the arm to sort of comfort him and sort of, I think, try to get him to leave the room, that he re- acquired secondhand cursing. <laughs> Is that as bad as secondhand smoke? It's apparently because a bunch of horrible shit happened to him in a very short time period. He His house gets broken into. Right. He, uh, he gets into a car accident. Right. He has to emergency land his private jet. Oh, yeah. The next the next plane ride he was on has to emergency land. A bunch of things in a very kind of short time period, a chain of events that seem to be kind of, you know, a little suspicious. Dude, the media, I remember when this happened. Yeah, it was in ham. every single, like, we're looking at an alternative press article right now. It was in Enemy. It was in Rolling Stone. Like, everyone covered this article about how Post Malone was cursed by the Dybbuk box, the most haunted item. In the world. So this object is just growing in infamy by every moment. Basically, it's just becoming the most terrifying object. It's living up to the name that that it's been given. It's it's becoming the most haunted object. Right. Everyone, you know, it's it's in in paranormal circles. uh, Everyone knows about the Dybbuk box. Lots of varying opinions about it. But it's it's starting to become known in pop culture as the big daddy. It's the scariest thing that you could possibly be around. Uh, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like we can't overstate the Dybbuk box was a big deal, big claims and big terrifying stories behind it. Mm-hmm. I recently had the opportunity to see the Dybbuk box in person mm-hmm. uh, at Zach's museum in Las Vegas. Maybe we can show a clip of what that was like and you can I, you can see you're not allowed you're not allowed to film in the museum, but I give my in, initial immediate response to what that was like. Okay, I just got out of uh, Zach Baggins Haunted Museum here in downtown Las Vegas. 
Uh, I have so many thoughts, but I'm going to save them for another time because we're here to talk about the Dybbuk box. Uh, I saw the big OG, the, the big granddaddy Dybbuk box in there. There's a lot of allusions to the fact that if the Dybbuk box is opened, it, uh, it, it the stuff that's released has to do with the mid <laughs> the mid 20th century. Let's just say the Holocaust. They didn't want. They didn't say the Holocaust. That was my interpretation of it, and uh, it's it's just a bummer, man. It's just a bummer. Um, it's there's sage around it <laughs> for some reason, and uh, apparently now there's another Dybbuk box in that room too. So overall, huge bummer. Um, I feel incredibly gross. And uh, I have a lot of really complicated thoughts about it, but we can talk about the rest of the museum another time. There you have it. That's yeah. what it's like. This room is designed to scare you. Yeah. Everything about the way that the box is presented, the way that you're ushered through that room. It even looks a little bit like claustrophobic. Yes. It looks a little like like it looks like it's dark and spooky and, and like it could trigger a lot of like any any one of the things that give you anxiety. There's there's no doubt when you are in that room yeah. that you're supposed to be afraid of yes. this thing. It's it is it's been crafted to yes. make you feel that way. And there are stories. I mean, they, they talk about them there. There's videos of people who are you know passing out, who are fainting, who are feeling uncomfortable. There's people being taken out of that museum by emergency EMS mm-hmm. crews. People having panic attacks. Right. Yeah. So everything that you're seeing about this is designed to make you remember and know there's a demon in this thing. Yeah. And it can hurt you. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point. Uh, so that is why... The Dybbuk box has generally been considered by a lot of people to be the most haunted item in the world. All of the terrible things that people have experienced around it, uh, they're well documented. Mm-hmm. And there are more stories than we can count, both from celebrities yeah. and everyday people. Yeah, I mean, like you have to consider how many people, even just in one day, yeah. interact with the with Zach's Dybbuk box. There has to be... Hundreds and hundreds of people at least every day. And it's been going pretty consistently for years at this point. So it's a lot of people having experiences. So between the time that Zach Baggins has purchased the granddaddy Dybbuk box. The big bad daddy box. <laughs> between the time. You're like the perfect hype man for this yeah. Dybbuk box. <laughs> <laughs> the great granddaddy Dybbuk box. Man. It's like you're standing outside the room I'm right before like, the tour. <laughs> I'm getting everybody all hyped. <laughs> yes. Let's go. So between that time in 2016 and the time that uh, Post Malone is cursed by the Divic box, we are experiencing our own yes. a- a- incredibly scary yeah. situation with a Divic box that comes into our possession. Yes. This is where things with Divic boxes get really weird Mm -hmm. and we come to a pretty startling discovery that frankly is much scarier to me yeah i agree than any demon inside of a box 100 percent. are you in possession of a haunted object an antique spiritualist tool wreckage from a crashed ufo the newkirk museum of the paranormal wants to add it to their archives Whether your strange item is causing you paranormal problems or is simply a supernaturally significant relic worthy of curation, we want to hear from you. 
For more information on our acquisition process, visit paramuseum.com. Our encounter with a Dybbuk box, a Dybbuk box, ends up happening because friends of ours who are paranormal investigators contact us to let us know that they are going to use one as a trigger object during an investigation of a haunted location. Yes. Interesting idea. It's one that we've done numerous times. Mm -hmm. Seems to work pretty well. But they had never dealt with a haunted object before. And they wanted us, knowing that we run this museum, they wanted us to give them some tips. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's what to look out for. Here's what to do. Here's what not to do. And really, we are... uh, I think that our big... Our big mission is to give people the information to deal with their own issues. Our advice to them was like really no different than any haunted object that we have ever talked to people about. It's right. it, it didn't change just because it was, you know, a, a quote unquote Dybbuk box. We said set boundaries. And, you know, I think one of the things I remember distinctly saying is whichever one of you is the least affected and the least frightened by it, let right. that be the person who handles it the most. Right. And try to think of it in terms of setting those boundaries so that you don't continue feeding what's going on right we're very big into the idea of uh Mm self-reliance we don't really even do except in extreme situations uh uh, private residence investigations anymore yeah because i want to give people the tools to solve their own problems absolutely that's always our deal so like you said we give them some very basic ideas whoever's the least scared deal with it if you start to feel like you're not yourself around this thing just leave. Yeah, go f- walk around. Go eat something. Yeah, go, go watch ground yourself. Funny. Go, you know, make weird sounds. You'll hear us say this a lot, but laughter is the best exorcism. Yeah, it truly is. So watch something funny, like you said. Uh-huh. You know, joke with your friends. Tell a knock knock joke. Uh, that was pretty much what we let them know. Just you know, if you feel weird around it, leave. If it feels really like oppressive, if it's something that's changing your attitude and your mood. Put it in a box, put it away, out of sight, out of mind, works wonders. Mm-hmm. So they have this investigation and they notice that their moods are changing around it. Yes. The EVP sessions that they're doing with it and spirit box sessions that they're doing with it, it seems to know their names. Mm-hmm. It's It knows names of their, their team members who aren't there at the time, which is really creepy and, yeah. and seemingly shouldn't know whatsoever. You know what I mean? Like... It's weird enough that they were hearing their own names, but to hear mm-hmm. the the other people who physically weren't in the room right. is very strange. They were feeling compelled to touch it, even though none of them wanted to touch it at all. Yeah. None of them handled it at all. No. They didn't want anything to do with touching it, but they were feeling compelled. They'd Some of them had to leave. Uh, and the overall vibe was incredibly negative. Yes. Like something terrible was was inside of this box. Yes. The guy that lent it to them for the investigation, Mm -hmm. he claimed that this box contained a, I think it was fifth level demon that turned out to be Paimon. Shout out Paimon. (laughs) Shout out Paimon. Come on the show sometime. Yeah. Let's, yeah. (laughs) Paimon. Can we do an EVP interview? (laughs) Would that be the first EVP interview in a podcast? (laughs) Maybe. Paimon. Uh, might be familiar to some of you, even if you're not into goetic magic, mm-hmm. because Paimon was the antagonist, sorry, spoiler alert, 
in Hereditary. Yes. Which is like one of the greatest horror films ever made, in my opinion. The scariest movie in next to The Exorcist. Yes. Paimon is a demon that is a prince of hell with like 200 demons below him. Yeah, he's hot shit guy. So a lot of bands, in fact, metal bands, will put uh, Paimon's sigil on their musical instruments because Paimon had a lot to do with music. Mm -hmm. uh, Paimon could give you musical talent. Fun fact, Paimon also is a... Uh, uh, has like lordship over fish. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Music foretelling the future and fish. The band. <laughs> the band. The horrible band. <laughs> the P with PH. Fish. That makes so much sense because they suck. <laughs> Apparently, you don't want Paimon lending you any musical ability. Dude, I've always wondered why they were so popular. It's Paimon. It's Paimon. They sold their souls Paimon to Paimon. Paimon is their manager. Hail Paimon. Shout out Paimon. Shout out Paimon. Uh, so anyway. There's a Wikipedia article. Oh, yeah. There you go. There's there a seal. Is. That's there what Paimon looks like. Quite obedient to Lucifer. Here's the thing, though. Hereditary scared the absolute shit oh, out of so me. Oh, so scary. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. It, it was very, very, very scary. So, uh, it, 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 it's, a, it's a really scary claim. I yes. think if presented yes. properly... That is a terrifying claim. Yes. I never have been, and still am not, a, a proponent of the idea that you can trap an, an, a, a ghost, mm -hmm. much less a demonic prince of hell, in a jewelry box. Yeah. Uh, so even then, I was a little bit skeptical of it, but there's this thing that happens in the paranormal community where everything has to be about demons. They, they talk about it all the time. Everything has to be demons. You watch it on television. Even things that are well, demons are mundane. very they're very sensational. Right, people love to get scared. People love demons. They es love demon shit all day long. Especially if you are very religious. Yes. If you are Christian, Catholic, demons it's the scariest thing you can have because yeah. they work directly for Lucifer, yeah. for the devil. They're they're scared. They're there to steal your soul, and uh, they're hiding in your toys. Yeah, and in your toy boxes, <laughs> and in your jewelry boxes. Uh, but even though I'm skeptical of the claim. King Paimon is trapped in this box. Mm -hmm. There's, I can tell that our friends are very scared of this yes, thing. They were very they're scared. disturbed by what they're experiencing. And their fear kind of freaked us out a little bit too. Absolutely. The other thing that made us nervous is this guy who was in ownership of this box. There were some claims that they had about him, about how he was, he was becoming obsessed with this yeah, thing. Yeah, he was exhibiting according to them, some strange behavior. He was kind of obsessing over the box, doing things like taking it out for ice cream. And God, it's such a weird it's one. It's a weird detail. But but again, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about is often we have two different responses from people when it comes to haunted objects. The right. first one being, I am terrified of this thing. I don't want it in my possession. You need to take this. Well, they'll just, they'll burn it. They'll throw yes. it in a river. They want nothing, nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. And then the other option is that people become obsessed with them. Right. They become very fixated on them and really have a difficult time kind of letting go of them and not having things anything to do with them. Right. Uh, Seemed as if what was going on was the latter. Of the right. That's uh, typically when we're dealing with people who claim that they have a haunted artifact, we look at those two extremes yes. because those are usually a Very good common. indicator. When it, when somebody is trying to sell you a haunted artifact, it means they don't fall into one of those two. Yes. And that always raises our red flags. Big sus. So 
the fact that this guy was so obsessed with this item, he was talking about it all the time. He was taking it with him everywhere. Yeah. We'd heard a story about a, a Halloween event where he'd had it uh, on a pedestal with torches running around it and was scaring people, uh, saying that he was going to open the box mm-hmm. and people were going to get possessed, like those types of stories. That to us is like, okay, this is a problem now. Yeah, sure. They decided that they were going to try and convince him to part with the box to let us take it and let us study it and hold it safely in our collection Mm -hmm. like a lot of people do. I told them straight up, I was like, it's not going to happen. If Mm -hmm. he's this obsessed with it, he's never going to part with it. Not for a million dollars. He doesn't want he doesn't want to get rid of it. Um, But more power to you. Imagine our surprise. Yeah. When at um, an event at the Mount Washington Resort in New Hampshire. Yes. Shout out Mount Washington. Shout out Mount Washington. Love going there. It's beautiful. It's in the White Mountains. Haunted hotel. Uh, we had the museum set up and our friends were there. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, this guy comes up to us and he has in his hand a pelican case. Mm-hmm. And I look at him and he looks at me and he says, I think you know what's inside this. I said, yes, I think I do. And he said, I think I need to give this to you. Yeah. I don't think that this is good for me to have around anymore. My friends and family are getting worried about me. I think that you should take this. If you want to study it, whatever you want to do with it, that's fine. You can let me know what you find out. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked. Yeah, I was very shocked. I even gave him an opportunity to to take it back. I was like, listen, are you sure about this? I, I, I know how attached you are to this box. Are you sure? And he said, I think it's the best thing for me. And he gave it to us. Mm-hmm. We wasted no time yeah. taking this thing because we hadn't experienced it. No. We had never seen it in person before. No. We'd only heard the stories from our friends. I mean, the very first thing that we did is we found a quiet room and some of our friends and some people who are other fellow paranormal investigators, We there was probably a group of seven of us, maybe five, yeah. seven of us, five to seven of us. And we were sitting in this room and we were just looking at it. Yeah. Because we had never seen it, let alone see like looked at it up close. You know, some people didn't want to touch it, some people, which was understandable. But we started, we were able to look at the details. So we saw that it was covered in wax. There was a coating of wax on the outside of it. Meant as a seal. A so seal. That, so that you know if it's been opened, if it's the seal's yes. been broken. We we saw the, the, we were able to look at the chain that was on the outside right. of it. We were really looking for things like maker's marks, maybe stamped onto the bottom of the box. Just little details so that we could start researching because that's what we had. We now have this physical object in front of us. So what can we learn about the physical object itself? I, I, I think it's worth noting that we were entranced by this thing. Sure. We were incredibly interested. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a weird vibe in the room. There Everyone was a weird felt vibe. really strange about this thing. Yeah. Um, and I, it's strange because I don't find myself usually very scared of haunted objects. Mm-hmm. They don't really scare me. We've been through so much mm-hmm. that there's not a whole lot of them that really affect me on a core level anymore. There was something about this that made me unsettled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we began to notice that when we took it home, we were, our moods were bad around it when it was out. Mm-hmm. We were fighting with each other a lot, which you don't really do. Yeah. Uh, arguing. Um, everything about it really had a bad vibe. Yeah. I mean, it, it was interesting because after bringing it home, 
uh, very shortly after that, we were invited to film an episode of Paranormal Lockdown where we, you know, we had this opportunity to bring some of the objects with us to a location and use them as trigger objects. And we thought, okay, well, why don't we bring this Dybbuk box with us so that we can use some of the the fancier tools <laughs> really that were there. expensive equipment yeah. that we, we can't afford. Yeah, so we thought, well, our Dybbuk box would be an interesting thing to bring with us to this location. We'll use it. Maybe, maybe it will work as a trigger object. We had seen it done before. Mm-hmm. And so we brought it with us. And you actually were stationed in the basement with this object specifically. Yeah, we the idea behind this experiment was uh, the host of the show, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, it it's uh, Nick Groff, who previously was a member of Ghost Adventures. Yes. This was the show that he did immediately after leaving. Mm-hmm. And Katrina And Katrina Weidman. Weidman. Some of you might know her from Portals to Hell. Uh, Paranormal State. Par- Paranormal State was the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were investigating a place called Scut Mansion mm-hmm. in Joliet, Illinois. We had held an event there and had some pretty creepy experiences. Yeah. Um, you you had a ladder that you were on shake while mm-hmm. you were climbing while it. I was on it. So, and there was no one there to shake it. Yeah, but it had been abandoned. It had been kind of shut down for years. Yeah, it, they were doing renovations on it, which is how they even got the ability to go and uh, investigate this place. And and one of the legends about the place, there had been a ton of, of seances that had happened there. Um, they had our experience. They had experiences of other paranormal investigators. And they wanted us there not just because we had had experiences, but because they thought that having some of the most uh, active artifacts from our collection in that space would help jumpstart the activity after it had been dead for so long. Which it seemed to do. It seemed to work really well, yeah. in fact. Uh, the the Dybbuk box in particular, the one that we had in our possession at the time, we hadn't planned on taking. No, it was, it was a last, minute, a last thing. minute thing. Yeah. I saw I saw the case for it as we were walking out the door, and I went, I think we should do this. Okay. So we took the Dybbuk box with us. We set everything up. I was in the basement with it, and as I was sitting there talking to the box, telling it, if you're in here, whatever you are, whoever you are, help the things in this house speak to us and experience, uh, so we can experience them. And... Immediately doors started opening and closing. Mm-hmm. I heard people walking around in the basement. There was strange whispering. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was unsettling. Yeah. Because I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, oh, there's something strange about this box. This is haunted for yeah. real. Yes. Unbeknownst to us, the network ended up making the Dybbuk box like the main promo piece yeah, for was, this uh, this episode. It was the focal point, sort of, which it really wasn't in the episode. It's one no. of many different objects that we use. But because the Dybbuk box in uh, possession that Zach Baggins owned was becoming really popular at well, the time. Well, this was the exact same time. I think this was 2016 yes. was when this was happening. So at the same time that there, the, the Destination America was the network it was on. Mm-hmm. I think it was on. It might have been on TLC, too. Yes. Uh, they're using this for in all of their commercials, talking about how this is one of the most haunted items in the world. I think there was a little bit of crossed wires happening there. Sure. And again, it's television, so it's for entertainment. They're going to boost it and make it as crazy as they can. They're talking about this while Zach has just purchased the granddaddy Dybbuk box. The big, bad granddaddy <laughs> Dog Dybbuk box. I like that there's a new word in that I have every to time add you a do new it. Word every time. 
<laughs> Which one was Zach's typical box? The big bad granddaddy dog dangle box. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, so Zach is is uh, preparing to turn this into the centerpiece of his museum. Yes, and I I'm just guessing, but I imagine he didn't quite like the fact that one of his former teammates sure. on their own show was. I mean, it probably looked like he was trying to steal their thunder. Sure. Yes. Um. So saying, I and even saying that there was more than one Dybbuk box in existence. Yes. Was also a questionable thing because That's it was true. like, well, I have the Dybbuk box, and then it was like, well, that doesn't make sense. There, right. There can be more than one. Here's this little one, too. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's where some of the confusion starts because if this, if the Dybbuk box is this item that is steeped in Jewish folklore and Jewish mysticism, mm-hmm. it would stand to reason that there's a n- number of them out there because if rabbis are shoving demons yeah. into boxes... Why would there just be one? Why would there just be one? Yes. So this is where some things start to get strange yes. because we have people who are saying there's no such thing as another Dybbuk box. Mm-hmm. I have the only one. But it's yes. in my museum. They're but popping yeah, up all over the internet. They're everywhere. Yes. There's different paranormal investigators are coming into them. Like People are saying, oh, my grandmother had one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to investigate this. And, and people are having real experiences around these. They sure. are haunted. Some of them. Some of them. Yeah. We we certainly were. Like, yes. I had no doubt in my mind, this is a haunted object. Mm-hmm. So we kind of are like rolling our eyes because we didn't know enough about it at the time. And they're really blowing this thing out of proportion, making it sound like it's the Dybbuk box. And clearly that's not making Zach Baggins very happy. I think he even had a couple tweets that were you know, indirectly directed at mm-hmm. at uh, Paranormal Lockdown about it. So we're caught in the middle of this weird thing happening. And as this episode airs, like right as it airs, we get a message from the guy who gave it to us. And, and he says, I want it back. Yes. So- and th- that, I mean, <laughs> that changed the way that we... We take objects at this yes, point. Yes, it did because forever. We didn't. One of the things that we didn't take into consideration, and you have to remember that, like this was relatively new in the the museum, like in the the growth of the museum, we hadn't thought that someone would ask for it back. Well, and ask for it back after it's been seen by millions of people yes. on cable television, and presented as this incredibly destructive haunting. Yes. Uh, uh, we didn't really know how to respond, but, you know, he was adamant that we give this thing back to him. Yes. He wants it back right away as mm-hmm. soon as we can. And so, you know, we talked to our friends. What do we do? And and uh, they were like, well, you know, if, if he wants it back, I mean, maybe there's, you know. We what, had to at that point. What can you figure out in, in the meantime? So yeah. we kind of stretched it. I think we had two months. We did. Before we were going to see this guy again because he was on a completely other coast. And we... Got crack a lacking. We had we knew we had two months to get as much research and experiments and everything else done as humanly possible, and that's what we did. We really focused on trying to get that get it figured out. We spent our six year wedding anniversary giving a cat scan to a Dybbuk box that we had snuck into a hospital. We did <laughs> because. We didn't want to open it. We didn't it, want to open it. But we wanted to know what was inside of it. So we cheated. Is that, do you do you feel like you ever would have thought that that's how you would spend one of your wedding anniversaries? No. Are you mad about it? 
No, not really. It was fun. It was fun. It was pretty fun. It was fun playing Scooby-Doo and sneaking this thing in. And what was fun to me was I was like, we were going to get a definitive piece of evidence was what is inside of this thing. We are going to know. And we don't have to break the rules to do that. That's true. It's almost like when these legends were being created, Mm -hmm. when people were saying like, this is what a demon can and cannot do. Mm -hmm. This is you can't open the debit box. They didn't know that. Pretty soon we'd have the technology to see inside of it I without know. opening it. It's pretty smart. <laughs> it worked really well. Yes. We had to, out for the rest of my life, I'm going to remember our six-year anniversary, sitting in the parking lot with our friends who are CAT scan technicians. Who we don't want to get them in trouble. get in trouble by we, giving their names <laughs> We away. won't say their names, but we were sitting in the parking lot, parked in the shadows, waiting for the doctor to leave. Yes. While... One of them turns around and looks at us in the back seat. We're, we've got this Dybbuk box sitting between us. And he turns around. And he's like, okay, here's the story. If we run into anybody, this belonged to your grandmother. You don't want to break the lock. You want to know what's inside before you do. We're just helping you out. So we snuck that sucker in. Yeah. And put it in the machine and then sat back and, and watched. watched. Yeah. We and have a video of it, too. We have we the video of it. We have the video. And we're going to show you. What was inside of the Dybbuk box? What is still inside of the Dybbuk box? <laughs> it was very interesting because the first thing that starts to appear seems like a like a bag, some sort of it, fabric. Yeah, almost like a felt bag. And you, you know, can almost see where it's tied at the end right here. See, you can right see there, the little yeah. twists. You know what's funny is, like, if you look, you can see that the box itself isn't perfectly aligned. So you, if you got a flashlight, you kind of see inside of it a right, little bit. Right, right. And I remember, I think it's like a purple felt bag. And we thought, this is a Crown Royal bag. Oh, it's bag. a Crown Royal bag. It's like a purple Crown Royal yeah. bag. For our audio listeners, what we're seeing right now is we're seeing a side profile mm-hmm. of the box as it goes through the CAT scan machine. Uh, it's an x-ray. And you can just kind of, it's like following the slices from one end to another. And you just see uh, what looks like this bag and then a cup. There's some sort of a cup on the inside. And mm-hmm. we're only seeing it from the side angle. And, and that's kind of it. That's, that's it. all that's in there. There's nothing else in there. There's no hair. There's no. no there's no coins. No, there's no octopus candle holder. There's no granite no. Uh, tablet with no shalom flowers. on it. It's literally just this bag and this weird cup. Yes. So immediately we know, well, that's not what was in the Dybbuk box that's in Zach's museum. Yeah, that's this is not right. This yeah. doesn't have the stuff that it's supposed to have in it to be a Dybbuk box. Yes. And According I, to the lore. I, we we uh, look at our friends who are the CAT scan technicians, and I say, man, it's too bad. We, uh, we can't tell what that cup is. And, and see it from another angle. Is there a way to scan it again? And they laughed and said, oh, no, no, just wait. We can actually show you a 3D model mm-hmm. of that cup that's in there. Which is and what you're going to see now. That's what we have on the screen now. So this is what was we a much better look at what is inside of this box. It looks, for most of you who might be familiar with this, it looks like a glass candle holder yeah um, if you know what you're looking for and you look when it when it spins around yeah. what we're seeing on screen is we're seeing the we're seeing the cup from another angle and mm-hmm. it's sort of spinning around on an axis and you occasionally will catch a glimpse of the inside of the cup and at the bottom is what looks like a round metal plug and a wick and some old wax yeah so 
literally like the kind that you find inside of a little Glade candle. Yes. This is modern. Yes. This I, candle is modern. Yeah. This is something that's at least been made within, you know, the past 15, 20 years. Yep. We walked out of that hospital, I mean, knowing this thing was not a Dybbuk box. It did not have the, the stuff that was supposed to be in it to be a Dybbuk box. Yeah. It lacked all of that. And that made us start to go down the road of, of researching Jewish folklore, mm-hmm. Jewish mysticism, mm-hmm. and trying to find out when the earliest mention of a Dybbuk box was. You know, what was the actual lore? Yeah. What was supposed to be inside us? Could it, can it be different? Is yeah. the one that is the one that Zach Baggins has? Does that have uh, different stuff relating to one specific case? Yeah. Can they be different? Are there different kinds? Or do you have to make a different kind to catch a different kind of demon or a different exactly. kind of spirit? Do you, is there rules and regulations here? Yeah. What are what is the ritual that puts the demon in the box? Yes. How do we find that out? And guess what? There is not one. <laughs> there is not one. In fact, there is no mention of a Dybbuk box anywhere on the internet or in real life previous to that eBay post in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. We find out that Dybbuks are not demons at all. No, they're people. This episode is brought to you by the Newkirk Museum of the Paranormal Membership Program. Become a museum member and take part in live paranormal investigations. Receive Dana's Magic of the Month subscription box, access in-depth artifact case files, and gain access to hundreds of hours of exclusive content available only to members. To become a member, visit patreon.com slash paramuseum. Dybbuks are the spirits of human beings. Yeah. We have a definition right here. Yes. Dybbuk, from the Douglas Harper Etymology Dictionary, a malevolent spirit of a dead person possessing the body of a living one. That's from 1903. It's one of the earliest mentions of a Dybbuk in literature. Uh, It's from Jewish folklore, and it comes from the Hebrew word Dybbuk from Dabbuk, which means to cling or to cleave to. There is another definition from the Collins English Dictionary that is the soul of a dead sinner that has transmigrated into the body of a living person. Mm. So again, we see people, people, people. So it doesn't even make sense that it would be a demon in the box at all. None. Because that's a completely separate thing. That's not what a demon is. That's not even what a mysticism. Okay. No. In fact, it's not always a bad thing. The idea being that this Human spirit hasn't achieved something it needed to during life, mm-hmm. so needs to possess someone in order to finish unfinished business. Okay. It's it's what we think of ghosts anyway. Yes. Very, ghosts have unfinished business. Yeah. So yeah. they stick around and rattle chains. These ones just possess you so that you can help them finish their business, and then they GTFO. So they don't go in boxes. There's no mention. You don't put them in boxes. No. They need to be in a human being. They're not demons. They're not demons. Because as we've established, they were people. They can be grumpy people. Sure. Yeah. They can be people who people. have bad intentions. Sure. Yeah. Not demonic at not all. Not demonic. So doesn't even make sense. Not only is this thing that we have not a Dybbuk box, but we have found out that there's no such thing as Dybbuk boxes at, at all. all. Not even... The big OG. Big granddaddy dangle Dybbuk box. 
baloney machine. It is a baloney machine. It is a baloney It's machine. actually a really apt metaphor. It's a it baloney machine because it's just spewing baloney. It is. Uh, they were never a thing. In fact, the more you read about Dybbuk in Jewish mysticism, the more it feels actually it that is... someone would take this thing, connect it uh, ostensibly to the Holocaust. Yes. And then tell you that there's a demon inside of it when none of it's true. It yes. doesn't even make sense. If you went to a rabbi and you're like, I have this Dybbuk box, they're probably going to laugh at you and do the same thing they did on that live special. Yeah. I mean, it's it's harmful. Yeah. It is harmful. Yeah. Uh, total BS. Total baloney. Well, uh, as you can imagine, we were curious about mm -hmm. why this thing was called a Dybbuk box, why Dybbuk boxes ever existed in the first place, why we were experiencing weird activity around something that clearly wasn't what everyone was saying it was. And we, at that point, felt very confident that we could deliver our the results of our investigation. Yeah. To not just our friends, but this guy. Mm -hmm. It went over about as well as you might imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we've, we've talked about this before, and we'll talk about it again, I'm sure. But one of the more frustrating things as paranormal researchers is often when you're giving the evidence or you're giving someone the findings of your investigation, and the person that you're giving it to already has invested in uh, their belief in what it is. So right. for some people, they really want to believe that their house is haunted. And when you have legitimate reasons for why you're hearing weird sounds or people are feeling off, and when you give them to them, oftentimes you'll experience pushback because they really just want to continue to invest in their ideas. Sure. And I think this was a very similar situation where we were... We had the opportunity to to give our findings, which I think personally are way weirder and more interesting than than a demon in a box. I think it's much more fascinating than that. And uh, but you experience pushback because someone's already invested in the narrative and in the story and and in the their their version of events that they believe is real. I will never forget the look on his face when we told him. Mm -hmm. Not only is this not a Dybbuk box, and you probably shouldn't tell people it's a Dybbuk box anymore because there's no such thing. They don't exist anywhere. But there's something stranger going on that you play a big role in. Yeah. With how you're, how you're showing people this, how you're talking about it, the legends that you're attaching to it. And here's the thing. We always try and give people the benefit of the doubt. Sure. I'm not saying that this guy made this thing. Yeah. We do have a swab of a fingerprint that we took off of the wax <laughs> when, when we investigated it. So we could probably figure out exactly who did it. Mm -hmm. But we always want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it was purchased on eBay. Sure. Which, by the way, was not the story that was given to us. The original story that was given to us was that this guy knew someone who was present when the demon was locked in the box by a rabbi. Okay. I don't think that's true, but that's my personal opinion. Maybe it was bought on eBay and there was a story already attached to it, but the story's not real. Mm -hmm. We know definitively that it is not real. That none it, of them are real. And Literally none, none of them, of are, them real. are real. And as we started to talk about that, our friends who were the investigators originally, they start to go, huh. Yeah, you And you know what they it. do for the first time? They pick it up and they touch it. Not only do they touch it, they look at it and they say, I'm not afraid of you anymore. Yeah, we could see... The, their attitudes shift, their their minds had changed, and they were looking at it with different 
with a different perspective. And that was a very cool thing to experience, honestly. But it kind of took the wind out of the sails of the owner. I don't think, I think we probably devalued it in their opinion. Which is very strange and I don't agree, but you know. We did all of this on camera. Mm -hmm. And the idea was going to be that this footage was going to come out at a specific date and we were going to tell everyone what we'd found. Not only was this Dybbuk box not real, that had started to get a bit of a local legend around it mm-hmm. and frightened a lot of people, but none of them were real. And we were excited for people to see this because we had not really seen anyone in the paranormal spaces talking about this. Skeptics, of course, because you know, but, but paranormal people, people who are ingrained in that world as, as people who do this for a living, there weren't anyone else like us saying this. Mm-hmm. And so we were excited for this information to be out there. We had a specific date that this was going to be made public. Two weeks before this is going to be made public, before everyone will know the truth about Dybbuk boxes, I'm sitting in the living room, minding my own business. <laughs> I think I was reading the news, and I hear stomping coming from the other side of the apartment, and I, th- and I know when Dana has her mad stomping. Oh, I thought it could have been something else. <laughs> it Mad wasn't a demon. Stomping. Okay, I thought it was going it, a ghost direction. It wasn't Paimon. It wasn't Paimon. It was something far scarier. It was Dana, Dana. very, very angry. Danamon. Danamon. <laughs> Danamon. Dana comes storming into the living room. She shoves her phone into my face and she says, What the f is this? Yep. And it was an eBay listing. eBay, the place where you sell your demonic objects. We have a, a screenshot of this eBay listing. Yes. Um, if you, we'll read it for you. If you're an audio listener, uh, it says Dybbuk box with incredible paranormal findings and evidence. This thing, the screenshot, it went higher than this, but at the time of the screenshot. There had been 15 bids, and it was already at $4,050. Four Gs. And the main image is an image of me holding the box. Yeah. Grant Wilson, Mm -hmm. who you might know as one of the main stars of the OG Ghost Hunters. Yeah. Sitting there looking intently at it. Mm -hmm. Tenny is there. Our friend John Tenny is there. Again, like I said, we were entranced. This was immediately after the box was given to us. It was moments afterwards. In a side room at the Mount Washington. Yes. And not only is this current bid at $4,050, the reserve hasn't even been met yet. Yeah, it was going to (laughs) go sky high. I start getting emails and text messages from people I know who are like, hey, man, I see your name attached to this thing. That's how I know it's legit. Mm -hmm. Is this worth what I'm going to pay for it? Like they had already been bidding on this thing. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh, my God, no, do not buy this thing. Don't. Bid on this at all because you're going to be so pissed in about two weeks. Yeah, because we're literally just going to. <laughs> we're dropping drop a, a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> in two weeks, you're going to be so mad that you spent this money. Like, I'm talking lawsuit mad mm-hmm. that you spent this money. I mean, in the, the description of this, they use us to promote this box, to make money off of it. Yeah, but we were so f***ing pissed. And they didn't, but what they didn't include was any of our actual research. No. So it was a lot of the scary stuff, but none of the 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 things that we had just recently presented, which, I mean, the bottom line is factually true. Yes. The big boxes are, are not, not real. real. And you yes. told that guy, and then he went and listed it. Oh, yes. it's on camera. Anyway. Yeah. And it yeah. almost, and, and this is this is total conjecture, but it felt to me at that moment 
that someone was trying to offload this thing before the truth was out there. Yeah, maybe. It's my opinion. Uh, I felt used, that's for sure. And I knew that I could never do this again, which is why we changed the way that we accept items into the museum. Um, We were so furious. And I mean, I was telling everybody, like, do not bid on this thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The thing, as far as I know, did not sell. It didn't hit its reserve. Mm -hmm. It went higher than this. It went above five grand, if I remember correctly. Uh, So people were willing to spend big money on this thing. And it wasn't even the OG. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, the clip comes out and everyone knows. Everyone who paid attention knew, oh, this isn't a real Dybbuk box. Feels kind of shitty that this thing was being sold. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but there's no such thing as Dybbuk boxes. Well, guess what? As if that wasn't enough evidence that Dybbuk boxes are not real, Kevin Manis himself, the guy who originally purchased the Dybbuk box at an estate sale in 2001 from the family of the 103-year-old Holocaust survivor and experienced all of the initial terrifying activity around it kicked the whole thing off he kicked the whole thing off he leaves a comment on that clip and i want to read that comment for you because uh this is this is uh huge this a bomb right here if people didn't believe us maybe they're gonna believe kevin manis himself Mm -hmm. kevin said the setup and definition of a Dybbuk box was entirely false and erroneous, and the claim that the box being used had a so-called fifth-level demon was also a bunch of hogwash. I am uniquely qualified to make these claims, as I am the original creator of the story of the Dybbuk box, which appeared as one of my eBay posts back in 2003. The idea that Dybbuk boxes have some kind of history prior to my story and the idea that a Dybbuk box could contain anything other than a Dybbuk, along with any deviation from the type of contents I created to be found inside of a Dybbuk box, is laughable at best. How about this? If you or anyone else can find any reference to a Dybbuk box anywhere in history prior to my eBay post, I will pay you $100,000 and tattoo your name on my forehead. That is a bet that Kevin Manis would win because there is no mention of a Dybbuk box anywhere prior to 2000 because he made it up and he admitted it. And the funniest part is he admitted it in a Facebook comment Yeah, on a clip that very few people ever saw. Yeah. Skeptics saw it, though. Yeah, Skeptics jumped on this and they were able to even track down the original box yeah. that was used to make the Dybbuk box. And it turns out that it's actually just a mini bar. Yep. It's a little cute mini bar yep. with a tumbler and some maybe a little ice box thing in it. It's it's not anything that it was originally thought to be. They found the patent. Yeah. You can see the if you're go. if you're watching the video, you can see the patent right on screen. Uh it's a vintage mini bar and it was developed in, I think it came out in like 1957. Yeah. So not quite as ancient and old. No. Never held wine. Definitely wasn't passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. Uh, it was. It did not come from Spain. It came from New York City. Mm-hmm. <gasps> New York City? <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was like 103 years old. Yeah. And traveled and survived the Holocaust and went to Spain and mm-hmm. then made up. 
Wow. All made yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This entire thing was fabricated. Kevin probably made, oh, what, 140 bucks off of it? Yep, 140 smackers. So he he doesn't have any reason to hold back. No. You know, like the, the story had been sold for a movie script. Like he yeah. probably didn't see much of that. I mean, considering that he was the, the first person to be in possession of the box, he's often the person who's least paid attention to. You know what I yes. mean? Like from the person who... Uh, the 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 man who bought it and and you know wrote a book and sold the rights to like to Zach Bagans like he, Kevin Mana seems to be the one who's the least focused on when it comes to it even though he was the guy who the originally had he it. wrote the story yeah um it was a, it was it, the interesting thing about this too is uh, it was around this time period even after I think it was after he admitted that he'd made the story up I'm pretty sure he went back on Ghost Adventures yeah and said. Something to the effect that there were 10 other Dybbuk boxes think, spread yes. out around the world. Baggins only had one. Yeah. Kevin said, I think he had six. Yeah. So there's some that are still out there that he doesn't, and he doesn't know where they are. But if they're all brought together, it's going to be a bad time. It'll basically be the apocalypse. Yes. So we were joking earlier about this, about it being like the, uh, the infinity stones yes. of the ghost adventures universe. Yeah. If you it put is. them totally is, if you get them all together and you put them on the gauntlet, it's going to be bad. We decided to, to try and find, uh, the exact same copy yeah. of the Dybbuk box that we were dealing with. We found out that it is, you want to see inside? You want, so to see, you want to see what's in this? For yes. reference also, this is the same make. This as, is the same make. Yes. This is just a replica yeah. because, the other one is still floating around out there, but it's not real, so don't buy it if you ever see it because mm -hmm. it, it's you're wasting your money. So or be scared of it. Or be scared of it. <laughs> uh, we had never seen inside like what it looks like. We'd seen the contents in it, but you can only see a little bit. We had never had the chance to see what the inside of this uh, Paimon Hotel looked like. Yeah, the we, Paimon Airbnb. We have to title this video opening it. Dybbuk box oh, live on air. Yes. Now. Is it 3 p.m.? This is the 3 a.m. <laughs> Opening a real Dybbuk box at 3 a.m. Gone sexual. Gone sexual. Are you ready to see what the inside of this terrifying box looks like? Yes. Look at this. Oh, look <laughs> at that. It's a jewelry box. This is, if, is it me or is this fit for a fifth level demon? You got a little mirror oh in there. Oh my goodness. I mean, demons are vain, right? So yeah. they can look at it, look at themselves. This is it's a little definitely not very spooky. No. This is a little girl's jewelry box. Yes. Uh and it had a crown royal bag and a glade candle in it. Mm -hmm. Real spooky shit. Spooky. Um now we know. Mhm. Mm definitively from Kevin Manis himself. Doesn't matter what you think about our investigation. Yeah. The guy who made up Dybbuk boxes is talking about how they're not real. Mhm. Uh, they're not real. They don't exist. Yeah. So the question is then, what is it that's happening around Dybbuk boxes? I believe that Zach Baggins believes that his box is cursed. Mm -hmm. I believe that he's scared of it. I believe uh, Post Malone, you can see the look on his face. Yeah. He's not acting. He's he's nervous. He's yeah. terrified. He he's thought scared. he was cursed yes. by this thing. I, I believe all of the people who have gone to the museum in Vegas and have fainted, who have passed out, who have had bad vibes, who have had bad luck. I believe them. I think that they are experiencing uh, genuine 
negative phenomena. Mm-hmm. Why would that be? I mean, so we, one of the things that we talk a lot about are intentional hauntings. Uh, it's something that we experience more often than not, I think, when it comes to haunted objects. And what really what to unpack that, what we're saying is that people are imbuing an object with their fear, their fear. Yes. They're literally haunting an object. They're haunting it themselves. And it, we experience that I think more than anything else. I would, I would say uh, 90 to 95% of the things that people send us that they are afraid of never do anything for us. No. But I believe people when they talk about how active they were for them. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because they have what we define as an intentional haunting, Mm -hmm. something that has been haunted by the intentions they have placed upon it. Mm -hmm. And I, I would wager a bet that most hauntings probably fall into that category. I think that you're hundred percent right. And I think the longer that you do this, the like we've been doing this 25 years or so, my views on hauntings, not just of objects, but of places and of people have changed quite a bit over that time. And I think anyone who is keeping an open mind will come to a very similar conclusion that we, in our minds, have much more power in these situations than we give them credit for. So I believe when my friends are telling me that they have experienced bad vibes around this and they themselves feel like it's haunted. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's how a lot of these things happen. Mm-hmm. So what do you do in this situation? You, you, you have this item. It's haunted, not by a demon. Yeah. There's not, there's not, it has nothing to do with Jewish folklore. Maybe something weirder. Maybe something weirder. And fr- frankly, I think scarier. Much scarier. Because the problem is these have a snowball effect. Yeah. And Look at Vegas. Yeah. And we have a responsibility kind of then at that point. When you know the truth about one of these things, I think you have the responsibility to tell people that there's no demon in this thing. Because yeah. there are people who will believe that, some more than others, and they're very susceptible to that. Yes. And it becomes real. Well, and so one of the things to consider, you know, and, and the way to think about it is there uh, the people who initiated the investigation with the box, their very first few investigations with it, they were going in with the idea in their mind of what a Dybbuk box was. They were priming themselves to have a scary experience. Yes. And it's very similar with the, the box that is in Zach's museum. There are arguably hundreds of thousands of people every year walking through the building and they're imbuing that box with those intentions. They are primed for it. They're going in. They have the story fresh in their mind. They're hearing the story mm-hmm. and they're imbuing their, their think of, think of the box as like a sponge and it's just soaking up that negative energy. It's soaking up the intentions and the thoughts of the people who are just pouring it right into it. There's people on the live special. Like millions yes. of people, yes, millions watched it live. of people, yeah, and yeah. they're and they're scared. They're very scared. And 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 I mean, at this point, there have to have been millions of people who've gone to Baggins Museum. I mean, easily, they walk through that. They're primed for it. They're terrified. There are people passing out, fainting. Yeah, um, getting medical attention. Mm-hmm. Those people are all giving it a little piece of their fear. They're feeding this. They're not filling this with demons. Yes. They're filling it with pure fear. So, and yes. when enough people do that, I do believe. However the mechanism works, I personally am a big fan of the idea of, of a collective unconscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that we send stuff to it all the time that we get to feel in other places. When enough people do that, mm-hmm. it becomes haunted by that fear and you feel it when you're there. One of the things that we did 
once we had come to these conclusions in the the last few you know weeks that we had to spend with this object is we tried some intention experiments with it and many of them were to kind of you know not take it seriously yeah greg put his garbage can on top of it for a little while i threw trash into it uh uh-huh. we were nice to it I I did, you Greg know what? was way Let's, nicer than I was. We'll bring it right back to Ghostbusters. Like you were talking about it being a containment unit. Yes. Let's jump to Ghostbusters too, because I was holding this thing. I was rocking it. I was yeah. saying sweet nothings to it. I was singing to it. It was the toaster. It was the toaster in, in the slime, too. the mood slime. Yeah. I don't think as many people are going to get that reference. That's uh, true. We are elder I, you, millennials. No, I think, Connor, that you are the one who, who <laughs> just saw Ghostbusters 2 for the first time like six months ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. Connor didn't like Ghostbusters 1. Well, because I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> Connor didn't, didn't know it was a comedy. You didn't set it up well. It's from like 1982. It was like pop culture icon. And we're like, and watch. It was like, of course, it's ghosts. It's going to be great. And it was like, but it wasn't scary. <laughs> and I was like, this is kind of campy. <laughs> and I was expecting, I knew it was like a mass market film. I think I told you what I was expecting. I was like, I don't, you, you were like, and Carl, I watched it with Carl. And he was <laughs> oh, like, yeah. huh? And, and I was like, I mean, I thought it'd be like Indiana Jones, <laughs> but with like ghosts. Like, I don't, this is, I don't know. This is also coming from the guy who, we watched uh, Beetlejuice with for the first time, yes. and your description. We cute. asked him because we were so fascinated that you had no idea what Ghostbusters were. That yeah. you've lasted this long to not know. I mean, I'm not under a rock, but I'm not also born. <laughs> you haven't seen Beetlejuice uh, either. Yeah, yeah. But and it, and we said, what What do you think it's about? It was my favorite answer anyone has ever given to any question ever been asked in the history of mankind. Connor, what did you say? Do you remember what you said? Yeah, I thought that. I was like, I thought it was a movie about the king of Halloween. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. <laughs> it's nothing to do with Halloween. No, but I mean, you know. <laughs> no, it's about a bioexorcist. It's yeah. the reverse. The, he is so, the king so of great. Halloween, though. Oh, boy. So anyway, so we can bring everything back to Ghostbusters. Yes. There, are, there are lots of hidden truths in Ghostbusters, you both nice one and two. We were nice, we were to, nice it. to it. And you know what? This is the best part. By the time that we were done with this thing, when we handed it back to this guy, that fucker was dead. It wasn't it, doing anything. Not so much as a blip on a K2 meter, no EVPs. Uh-huh. It didn't even feel bad. It had no vibes to it. No, it was just a box with some wax on the outside of it. Yeah, that was it. It wasn't scary. It wasn't spooky. It didn't, it It was just a, oh, a wooden box. We forgot. Oh, one of the other fun details is we did scrapings of the wax that were on the outside to seal it. Mm-hmm. And when we scraped it, we looked at it and noticed it was green. Mm-hmm. And it was scented. It had a floral scent to it. This wasn't candle wax that they sealed it with. It was like scentsy wax. Paraffin wax. Paraffin wax that you like put your hands in. Yeah, which to- <laughs> it makes sense because it's much easier to dunk a Dybbuk box into uh, a big thing of wax versus dripping candle wax all over the top of it. Yeah. That's you know, what, that's what most people do for sure. Oh, of you course. Gotta, you got to dunk them. Yeah. You got to dunk them. Uh, when you're running a Dybbuk box store oh, out of your house, here we go. Maybe it's easier than dripping wax on it. Because guess mm. what? There's a Dybbuk box store. There's literally a store. So you don't even have to mess around with eBay or Etsy, which you can. And I'm sure we're going to look at some of those. But there is an entire website dedicated just to Dybbuk boxes. And it <laughs> is out of control. What, so 
Uh, Horrible. Oh, God, I hate it. The the face is my favorite because of the little mask, the, like, 80s Holy mask. Holy shit, someone spent $185 someone on this? Someone bought that. Somebody, literally, literally, every single piece of this came from a Goodwill. That weird, like, those, that weird, like, Venetian mask. Yeah, I know. It was on, They like, just glued it to it. Every, Ugh, every Timmy. little kid's Oh, my walls. God, there's Timmy the Bait. Oh, someone Timmy. took somebody's baseball cards. Yeah. Some poor kids' baseball cards. One hundred and sixty bucks for that. Uh, These are also like if you notice, Connor, scroll down for one second. You'll notice the Stone Man, for instance, or like the the Stone Man was once one hundred and forty five dollars, but oh. you're getting it for a steal. You're getting it for seventy nine bucks. That's a steal. Uh, gross. Really sketchy. Yeah. Pictures it's, and it's like weird pictures World and War like two stuff. That's yeah. Wrong and all like. It's, it's oh so, my god! And you know what the worst part is? People are connecting these things to the Holocaust. I know, and that's, that's a, the part that it feels the grossest of it all. It's because it is gross. It's it is absolutely harmful and gross. There's a there's a jar. There was well, a Dybbuk jar. jars now. We got to expand the product. The line. baby bottle. Oh my oh, god! Oh, it's horrific. This is bad. Well, uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's yeah. Let's look at eBay. eBay. I is, bet eBay's got a ton. I think you're probably right. I uh, In our lecture that we gave, this is really the first time we publicly talked about this case. We've done it like privately, yeah. um, but we haven't given people the full picture of this. We have in our lecture screenshots of these uh, eBay mm-hmm. curses that you can buy. They range anywhere from 100 bucks for one to $7,000. i have seen one for $7,000. Oh, yeah. yeah. And people buy these things. They have bids on them. I mean, you were just- Oh, get out of here. Oh, click on. Will you click on that? Got even more, man. Oh man. Click on. Will you click on that one? Oh, is that a cross? Is that a crucifix? A crucifix. Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> oh yeah, the traditional oh, Jewish god. crucifix. Oh my god. <laughs> it's insulting and and can we just? Am I wrong? Does this feel kind of racist? It's. It feels like it because you're using the Holocaust to sell a piece of junk. Yeah. That you've thrown a bunch of trash in. And then sealed with paraffin wax and put a fucking cross on it. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I, there was a there was one that was like a voodoo Dybbuk box earlier. Oh, like it, pentagrams and pentacles on Dybbuk boxes. Insulting. That one has a doll that has been like twined to the box, and they pulled the doll's eyes out and stuck it in wax on the Ooh. side of the box. Look like at this. There's so many. There's t- there's a cottage industry out there. 60 bucks, 120 bucks, $200, $17 shipping. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, this is another thing. Uh, there's, because these are so prolific, and because they have flooded the, the secondhand market, mm-hmm. There are so many like clickbait YouTube videos yes. and TikToks where sure. where uh, self-styled paranormal investigators are opening these things. Yeah, there's and, there are people whose only focus is just to collect Dybbuk boxes. Like, oh, they're, right. They we're going to be, the problem is, is we're going to be in the mix with these <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> based off the title of the in, episode. Well, I mean, the title is going to be opening a real Dybbuk box <laughs> at 3 a.m. Yeah. Gone sexual. Gone sexual. Uh, yeah, look at that. It's literally, challenge. there's a 3 a.m. challenge. Uh-huh. Dybbuk box picture game at 3 a.m. Uh-huh. challenge. Yep. How many views does it have? 3.7 3. 3. 7 million. million. <gasps> yeah. Okay. Yeah, so listen, here's, here's this, is, this is the only part of this podcast where I'm going to get preachy for a second. And it's only just to say. Is this the only part of the podcast that you're going to Is it, Greg? Is it? It's okay. I just want to say 
we need to be more careful about the stories that we tell. Yeah. Because this one in particular feels pretty culturally insensitive. Very culturally insensitive. It's all based on scaring people. Yes. And one of one of my like cardinal rules when it comes to people who ask me, what should I do if I want to start ghost hunting? I want to be involved in paranormal investigation. The one thing I always tell them is be careful of people who just want to scare you for the sake of scaring you. Mm -hmm. Because what they're probably doing is they're probably trying to exert some kind of power or control over you. Or they just want your money. Yeah, they want to sell you something. They want to sell you something. Yeah. This is a very obvious scam. Yes. Uh, the ones on eBay in particular. I think that the original Dybbuk box, the one that Zach Baggins has in his museum, I don't see any reason why that thing isn't haunted. I mean, it, it should be at this point with the amount of people that are, are putting their intentions into it. Absolutely. It doesn't have a demon in it. No. The story is completely fabricated. No. Yes. But people are experiencing real activity. I believe that. But it's because of the type of stories that people are telling and, and, and continuing to tell about this item. Yes. Uh, and then you have all of these copycats, like the one we have, mm -hmm. the one we dealt with, that are, they're just meant for, for a profit and, and uh, publicity. Mm -hmm. Like, that's their whole thing. And the, the, the problem is there are a lot of very impressionable people that if you tell them there's a demon in that box, it's going to hurt you, they will get hurt by it. Yeah. Maybe just psychologically, but it's, it's upsetting that we continue to tell these types of stories when the truth is readily out there for anyone who bothers to look for it. There's actually a really great article that we read, too. Um, Input Magazine. Yes. Where Kevin is straight up talking about how he faked it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And where the hair came from. Yes. And he's like, well, I was a creative writer. And he just, <laughs> it, he lays it all out. So it's, it's out there. I'm pretty sure that this input article came out like a year ago, maybe, maybe two years ago. Okay. So it's fairly recent. And in it, uh, Kevin Manis, he just comes clean. Yeah. He, he talks about every little detail about where the box came from, what he did to it. Yeah. You know, like you were saying, Connor, where the hair comes from, comes from all his friends. Uh, and I, I get the impression that he didn't have much to lose because he made one more attempt at being part of this lore, being mm -hmm. part of the story by going back on Ghost Adventures and saying, well, I have six of these that I've collected to keep them safe. There's more out there. Mm -hmm. You have one. And I think because... Baggins didn't bite on yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was like, "Well, whatever. I'm not making any money off of this. Like, yeah. this is this is. I can tell everyone what I did now. Yeah, toss a grenade in. Baggins is actually quoted. Zach Baggins is quoted in this article, mm -hmm. and he says, uh, "I don't believe this to be the full truth." He writes in response to Manus telling me about making the story up. He cites some of the things that have befallen Manus in the past week, which Manus has also shared with him. So they're in contact. So they're in contact still. And this is what Baggins had to say. I think there's so much more to the Dybbuk box and regardless of its origins is very much cursed and evil, Baggins continues. I'm not surprised that more controversy and conflict keep arising from it. The Dybbuk box has always raised questions and intrigue and this adds to its narrative. I think this is a way to say I can't refute the fact that this is not a true story mm -hmm. and also attribute the idea that there is something strange about this box, but I don't think it's a, it's not a demon. Yes. Yes. It is people's fear. Mm -hmm. It is haunted by people's fear. It isn't being intentionally haunted. Intentionally haunted. It'll never be removed from that museum. No. 
people are still going to go there. They're still going to hear. I'm pretty sure there's still a Torah on display <laughs> next to it. So like, even though like there's no, there will be no, uh, if I was a betting man, I would say there will be no attempt made to change the way that this is presented to people. Yes. So people who don't do any research, who are just there to have a fun time, yeah. get the spoopies. Yeah. They're going to go and they're going to think this is an actual legitimate piece of Jewish folklore. Yes. Which I've got to say, I don't feel like that's right. No. And it will continue to scare people because that is the only purpose this thing has ever had. So if anyone should take anything away from this podcast, it is that you should not feed these things fear. Go to Baggins Museum. Blow it a kiss. <laughs> Tell it how much you love it. Change it. Change what it is. We did it with this Dybbuk box. Tell it a knock-knock joke. Yeah. Make something better. In fact, did you know that there is an, in Jewish folklore, we have the Dybbuk, but we also have its mirror opposite called an Eber. Mm -hmm. And it is a friendly, kind spirit that comes to help you achieve something. Yeah. And sometimes you can invite that friendly, kind spirit into you and you can both finish some unfinished business. We should be making less Dybbuk boxes and more Eber boxes. In fact, I think that'd be a fun experiment. I think we should try and create something a lot nicer. Let's mm -hmm. intentionally haunt something and make it a nice thing and counteract yeah. all of the negativity that's being spread with these, these stories that don't, there's no point to them mm -hmm. except just to scare people and yes. hurt people. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's never going to change. There's no demons in Dybbuk boxes, but that doesn't mean that they can't be a haunted object. The Haunted Objects Podcast is hosted by Greg and Dana Newkirk, produced by Connor J. Randall, with photography directed by Carl Pfeiffer, and features exclusive artifacts from the Newkirk Museum of the Paranormal. To learn more about the artifacts featured in this episode, take part in live interactive experiments, and enjoy exclusive Haunted Objects content, become a museum member at patreon.com slash paramuseum. This has been a Planet Weird production. Dun 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 dun